Okay, so uh, good evening, everyone. So glad uh, to have you with us this evening. Um, this is actually a very uh, special topic for me, Pacha Yitzchak, because it was one of the first svarim that I wouldn't say I understood, because Pachyitzchak is a little hard to grasp, but the concepts of a partner were some of the first Torah concepts that I really took to in a very meaningful way when I was in yeshiva and Eretz Yisrael and Shalvin, Rabbi Ari Waxman, who was, the, um, was then the mashkiach, now is the dean at Nishalvim, uh, had a special Pach Yitzchak shir that he would give throughout the year, and particularly the Pach Yitzchak's ideas of a on Purim were particularly meaningful, um, and it's a very special, uh, um, very special to, to be able to share some of these ideas uh, together tonight. Just before we start, I want to give a sense, because we're going to talk three nights, three weeks in a row about Rav Futner's Sefer, Pach Yitzhak. This is the Sefer right here, Pach Yitzhak. Um, we wanted to uh, give you just a, a quick summary of who Rav Futner was. We actually spoke about him a number of years ago um, when we spoke about Torah and modernity. We talked about a few different individuals. One of them was Rav Futner. Rav Futner grew up, he was born in 1906 in Warsaw, and his family had both uh, Ger Hasidic roots and Litvisha uh, roots at the same time, which really explains a lot about what happens to Rav Futner as he grows up. Um, as he's older, he goes to learn in Slavaka, Slavaka Yeshiva, under the altar of Kelm, um, the altar of Slavaka, excuse me. And he was known as the Warsaw Eloi. He was so, so already known, they knew who he was already, the interesting stories of Rav Futner and the altar, uh, because he was such a special, they recognized him in very, very early age. Um, he eventually went to Eretz Yisrael, went to the Hebron Yeshiva in 1929. He was there in Hebron. Actually, the, the, um, he just barely avoided being in the, uh, the massacre at the Hebron Yeshiva because he was away for, away for the weekend. Um, while he was in Eretz Yisrael, he became very close to Rav Cook. Actually, and some have said that many of the ideas, while well, he never quotes Rav Cook in Pachel Yitzchak, many of the ideas were inspired by Rav Cook, also who did a lot of combining of Kabbalistic ideas, Hasidic thought, and halacha all together, very much what Rav Putner does. Um, Rav Putner actually stayed close to Rav Cook's family, to Rav Yehuda, uh, as he got older. Um, after um, the program in Hebron, Rav Putner actually went back to, to Europe, ends up studying in Berlin, University in Berlin, and there he meets two individuals who are also University of Berlin, someone known by Rabbi Joseph B. Soloveitchik, and someone else known as Rabbi Nachman Mendel Schneerson. The three of them became friendly in, uh, in uh, University of Berlin. Um, they were all very different, but maintained a, a close connection. Their stories about the Rav coming, you know, uh, uh, the Rav and the Rebbe, their stories about Rafutner and the Rav, fascinating stories about their connection. Um, Rafutner eventually comes to, to America, uh, he comes to Brooklyn, teaches in RJJ, and eventually becomes Rosh Hashiva and Yeshiva's Chaim Berlin. Uh, very interesting stories about Rav Futner's interest in uh, what we would call, uh, not Torah Mata, but the importance of his students in the Yeshiva going to college. Actually was interested at one point in starting a program where his students would be in college and in Yeshiva at the same time, which didn't happen in the end. But nevertheless, it became something that he was a proponent of, of his students having worldly knowledge. Um, Rav Futner developed a style, though, eventually, where uh, over Shabbos and Yom Tovim, he would have like basically a tish and he would give over a mimer, very much like a Hasidish Rebbe, the, the Babich Rebbe used to do that to give over a mimer at, at a, at a, t- a, a Fabrengen. Um, and many of the ideas found in the Sefer Pach Yitzchak are related to these types of 
um, thoughts, which are a mixture, again, of Kabbalah, Hasidic thought, halachic uh, ideas, all kind of mixed together, which makes for a, just a very beautiful tapestry, which is the Sefer Pacha Yitzchak. So uh, I'm gonna, we'll do our best tonight to share the first idea, the very first idea found in the Sefer, which focuses on Amalek. Um, and you see source number one in your sheet is a Pasuk that we find by Bilam, and Bilam's trying to curse Am Yisrael, so he, he's, his, you know, at, before he leaves, what does he say? Vayaras Amalek, Vayisa Mishalov, Amar. He sees Amalek and he says about them, Reishis Goyim Amalek Vachariso Ade Oved. That Amalek is the first of nations, but at the end, they'll be destroyed. It's a very strange thing to say. What about Amalek makes them the first? Why are they racist? If any nation would be racist, it would be Amisra would be racist. Well, what, in fact, Beratius, Berelakim, we say, Bishfil, Hatorah, Shinikra, Rachis, Yisrael, Shinikra, Rachis. Amalek's not racious. Why is Amalek racious? And, and what does it mean? At the end, they're going to be destroyed. What does that mean? So if you take a look into skip sources 2, 3, and 4, for right now, we're going to come back to them. Um, we're going to take a look now. Source number 5 is the very beginning of the Mimer. And he writes as follows. The end of the Pasuk. What does it mean? So it says for Futner, What is Acharis Yamim? The Acharis Yamim is going to be the times of Mashiach. What's going to happen in the times of Mashiach? Everything's going to get fixed. Everything will be better, right? People will, won't be sick anymore. Uh, everyone will believe in a Kadosh Baruch Hu to be a time when uh, of tremendous tikkun in the world. And what's going to happen? where it's underlined, Ein Shum Tikkun. Gam Betekufas Acharis Yamim. But for Amalek, when it comes time for they're not going to be fixed. They can't be fixed. And therefore, what's going to happen? What does it mean that they were reshown? That they were first? So further down on the page, he says, what is it? What means they'll be destroyed in the end. But what does it mean? So explains your footner. What happened? Who was the first nation? Am Yisrael leaves. Am Yisrael walks out of the Yamsuf. And we're headed into the Midbar to go to, to, to on our way to Eretz Yisrael. And no one wants to touch us, right? We just destroyed the greatest superpower in the world, which was Egypt. We obliterated them. Ten Makos, Kriya Yamsuf, Shamu Amin Yirgazun. Everybody heard what had happened there. And everybody was afraid of us. And then what happens? Vayavu Amalek. Who shows up first to fight with Am Yisrael? Amalek shows up first. Right? Amalek is the ones who are racist going. If you see where, if you see on the, in this paragraph, right in the middle, where it says, where it, the first words in the line, that they were the first ones to come attack us. They are the first of the nations who came to attack Am Yisrael at that time. And for some reason, because they were the first ones to attack, at the end, they're never going to find the Tikkun. Okay? That's, 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 that's the Peshat and the Pasuk, he says. It's very interesting. But the question is, why? What is it about the fact that Amalek attacked us first more than anybody else that makes them Ahariso Adei Oveda? They're going to be gone forever. And by the way, we can add on to the question, and what is it that makes Amalek our eternal enemy? Why do we have to remember them forever? Or why do we have to constantly forever remember Amalek because of the fact that they attacked us first? You know, why does it have to be? There, there, are a lot of, there are a lot of nations that attacked us, a lot of nations that, that didn't like us. Uh, the Plishtim, for example, fight us all of the Tanakh. All of Nach is about fighting the Plishtim. We don't find that, that, that the Plishtim, uh, 
What is it specific about who Amalek were? So if you go to the next, the next part of the, uh, uh, of the sheet, where uh, it says the, uh, a large bet there, the next part. And Putin writes as follows. Parshas Michias Amalek, Smucha Hila Parshas Yishma Yisrael. Right? The story of Amalek fighting Am Yisrael. And then at the end of that story, actually, you know, if you go back for a second, go back now to sources uh, two and three. Right? Parshas Bashalach, the very end of Parshas Bashalach, that's when Amalek attacks. Right? And what does Hashem say at the end? God will fight Amalek forever. The very beginning of the next Pasuk, the very next Perak, the next Pasuk in the Torah is, right, The moment after the story of Amalek attacking Am Yisrael begins the story of Yisrael. Yisrael heard something, he heard all that happened to Am Yisrael, and he shows up. What does Yisrael hear? All the Rishon asked the question, what was it that Yisrael heard? Says Rashi in source number four, Vayishma Yisrael Mashmua Shama Uba. What did Yisrael hear that made him decide now to come join the Jewish people? Kriyas Yamsuf, Umechemus Amalek. He heard two things. He heard about the Kriyas Yamsuf, and he also heard that Amalek came to fight the Jewish people. Okay, but if you would have asked me, why do you need both? If you heard about Kriyas Yamsuf, you heard about the Sarah of Dibros, I heard, heard about uh, the Esther Makos, that's enough. If anything, I, the, the war with Amalek was way less miraculous than the experience of the Kriyas Yamsuf. Right, so what was it that Yisro heard two things, Kriyas Yamsuf and Muhammad Amalek decides to come. We're going to have to see an answer to that as we move along. But, but Rafutner points out this exact point, that Yisro and Amalek, in some way, they're juxtaposed one with the other. We were told about Amalek and then we're told about Yisro. Two groups, by the way, of non-Jews. Right? Two groups, who, neither of whom are Jewish, Yisro, according to many, becomes Jewish. But they're not Jew- two, two, two non-Jews who have a very different response to the experiences of Kriyas Yamsuf. One of them attacks us, and one of them comes to join us. So it says, Rafutner as follows, Parshas v'chiyas amalek smucha hi leparshas v'yishma Yisro. It's connected. Ve'omru al-zachachamim leitz tuka ufeti yarim. Literally, strike the scoffer, the one who's a leitz, like leitz, Late Sanut, right? It's like scoffing. Right? The one who scoffs, so that one, you should hit him, literally. Ufeti um, Yarim, but the simpleton, he's going to grow wise. And says the Medrash, Leitz Tuka Ze Amalek. The Leitz, you should hit, that's Amalek. Ufeti Yarim Ze Yisrael. But the simpleton is going to grow, that's Yisrael. Why? Klomar Eima Palaso Shal Amalek Moelas Lola Amalek Atzmo. Amalek being destroyed didn't impact on Malik at all. They didn't learn any lesson from the fact that they lost to the Jewish people. But there's something about watching them that teaches others. But not to him. Why? Why is that? Continue now to the next section there. What is the defining element of what Malik is about? It's that they are a scoffer. They laugh. They, 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 they make fun. They don't take anything seriously. And this is what it means to be a late, a scoffer. Someone who's a scoffer, someone who just likes to make fun and to poke fun, there's no amount of rebuke, no amount of inspiration, nothing that could ever touch them because they're always willing to just knock it down, whatever you say. So you have to understand this. 
What does it mean that a malik is a leitz? And I think if anyone's ever, well, I'll tell you as a, as a high school teacher at one point, right? You could give a beautiful, inspiring lesson, right? You, you, taught, the te- you taught the class for 35 minutes, it's going great, and all the kids are like into it and excited, and there's that one kid in the back, and he's usually super smart. And he says, yeah, but Rabbi, none of it makes any sense because, and he gives you like that one shtach, and it takes all the air out of the room, right? That all you need is the lights, or, the, or he just makes a joke out of it, and he, and he, and he tries to embarrass you, right? And that, that one moment of leitzanus kills the entire 35 minutes the rest of this year, right? It's all it takes. It takes one, one act of scoffing that, 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 that can knock everything else down. And we're going to see this as we move along. Continues Rufotner as follows. So there's no such thing, there's no Aaron Shulchan Aruch called Hilchos Leitzanus. It's a, he's kidding a little bit, right? There's, but the rules of, of Leitzanus, of, of, of being a scoffer, is, is as follows. All Leitzanus is forbidden. To scoff, to mock, Aser. In Midos. Except about a Vodazar, you're, you're allowed to make fun of a Vodazar. The truth is, he says, you can really make fun of anything. Anything that's bad. Any, anything that's, that's really evil, really bad, you can make fun of. You can, you can make fun of anything. That's, that's negative. That's bad. Why did Chazal choose this? In specific, you have it in many places where the Gemara talks about that specifically when it comes to Avodah Zarah, you're allowed to make fun, you're supposed to destroy it, even though we're not supposed to be destructive, we're not supposed to ever mock, but by Avodah Zarah you're allowed. Why is that? And he explains as follows. The key, he says, The key, he says, I brought a few on the next page, in source number six, it's a Pasuk in Mishle. Right? The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold and the man is tried by his praise. Okay? A man is, person is determined in a sense by their praise. And how would you usually explain that? Meaning by those who praise you. Right? You're the, how do you know what someone's like? Ask other people about that person and they'll let you know. Oh, I know what kind of person that is. Look what people say about them. Right? If you know what people say about somebody, that tells you what type of person it is. Rabbi Yonah says, absolutely not. That's not what it means. Source number seven says Rabbi Yonah and his parish on Pirkei Ovis, and he says in other places also. He says like this, How do you know what type of person somebody is? Not by what people praise, what praise they say about you, but about what you praise. What you talk about, the things that matter to you, the things that you look up to, the individuals that you speak about, the things that you get excited by, those are the things that reveal the type of person you are. And, and, and Rafutna gives a mushal, and it's a beautiful mushal. He says, take two people. He says, one person is a is tamachacham, they learn, they spend time in the base medrash. He's like, they're just like very, very, you'd say super spiritual, he says. But then talk to the person. And, the, and they're going to tell you that the people that they look up to, and you'd be astounded. 
right? The type of negative individuals, people who have bad midos, people who, st- who are involved in all kinds of shady things. And that's, that's who they look up to. That's who they like. He says, yeah, another person who doesn't learn that much, they don't, they don't see outwardly so all that from. But a Tamachacham comes into the room and they stand up and they go to, they go to be Mishamish to Tamachacham to hang out with the Tamachacham. They see a person who does chesed and they draw onto that person. They see people who are kind and have good midos and they, and, they, and they follow them and they want to learn from them and spend time with them. He says, I'll tell you exactly which person is on a higher level. He says, I know who it is. Right? It's, the, it's, the, it's the person who's mahalal, the right people. Ish lafi mahalalo. It depends on who you're interested in and who it is that you are makir. And he says, this is the koach of what he calls the koach ha-chashivus. If you see in the bottom, the next piece, the piece just before source number six, that little paragraph, at the bottom he writes where it's underlined, koach ha-kares ha-chashivus, ha-nimse ba-adam hu-hu ha-koach ha-shirabini yona koreoto, koach dehilo, the power to praise, meaning to call out and to see that which is valuable. To notice chashivas, notice that which is, has real value. The hilo shall adam eno elabitoi lahakaras hachashivas shall osa adam. Ish lafimahal. The things that we praise, the things that we're interested in, the things that we see that have value and we, sh- and we talk about and that in our minds we give value, those reflect our values. Okay, so what? So he says we have a strong desire though inside of ourselves to be mezazel. Right, to do the opposite, right? to attack that which is, to, 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 to scoff, to poke fun at that which is really chashev. And what's late sanus? What does it mean to be a late? He says it means to find the pressure point. To find, right, you play Jenga, right? you find that, that one brick that you pull out, that's the wrong one when you're playing Jenga, right? Because then it actually knocks the tower down, right? But that one piece that you can pull and the whole thing falls apart, right? You're really clever. You're really smart. You really got it. And you can, you can take the whole shear, right? And take all the air out because you, you're smart enough to, to knock it down, right? So on the one hand, it's, a, it's smart, right? It's clever. It's sharp. Yeah, but what's it all about? It's all about putting up some type of, of wall, right? From that which is chashiv. It's to knock down anything that has chashivas. To tear down anything that wants to, to, to ask us to grow and tell us what's real, what really matters in life, the things that are really valuable. The koach of hivul of praise is to recognize and praise that which, which is chashiv. The koach of chilul, of zilzo, of leitzanus, is to look at anything which has value and to destroy it, to knock it down and to remove it. The Mesil Shasharim writes, that one act of leitzanus can destroy a hundred tochachos. All you need is one act of leitzanus and all the tochach in the world doesn't work. And that's why actually, the Chazar, right, that sometimes it's good to give tochacha and sometimes you have to know when not to say. Because if you're going to say to the wrong person or in front of the wrong person, it's all going to fall apart. It actually does worse. It does more damage. And he says, because again, the same, and, and Rufatner explains, because the whole purpose of tochacha, of real rebuke, not to be angry, not tochacha of fire and brimstone, the tochacha, which is to reveal that which is chashiv, that which has true value, a, a, a real, you know, real muster shmuz is not to tell people how bad they are. It's to reveal, to remind people how much value there is in the world and the things that really matter, right? If we've been, we shouldn't have to go. But if you find yourself, I say this all the time, find yourself at a levaya, unfortunately, right? And you find out what really matters in life. I had the, we had the very sad, sad, 
sad uh, fact that Mr. Zimmerman passed away a few weeks ago. But I'll tell you, it's the greatest Musa Shmus I, ever, I was ever at. The Leviah of Mr. Zimmerman. A person who's, whose life was all about things that really matter. Right? The things that really matter in the world. Chinuch, taking care of your children, yeshivas. That was what mattered to him. And to, to, sit at, to stand at a Leviah, even in the freezing cold, and to hear about the things in life that really matter. What people say about you at the, at the end of 95 amazing years of life. There's, there's no greater tochacha than that. There's no greater rebuke. It's not a rebuke, but it's a lesson, right? And therefore, someone who's elates, someone who attacks, who ridicules, those who want to bring chashivus into the world, why do they do that? Because they feel threatened by that which is chashiv. It brings them to a place that's so uncomfortable, so they mock and they scoff, not only to deflect the chashivus for themselves, but to get it away from anybody that's even near them. If that's true... Now we can understand what a Amalek is all about. Look at the next, next piece in Rafutner, where the letter, the first letter there is a, a Vav. And he writes as follows. What do we say in Rashi and Parshat Zohar? Right? That when Amalek came, they, ha- they happened upon us. Lashon kor. Vachom tzanencha. Kor. Karcha b'derech milashon kor. Cold. Right? What happened? That we were on fire. Everyone was afraid to fight us. But they came and they showed everybody it's okay, you can fight on Israel. And he gives a mashal, a mashal we know well. The mashal ambate rosachas, a burning bath. No one can jump into that burning bath. And one crazy person shows up, and jumps in the bath. Even then they get burned. It's bad for them. But everyone else says, Ooh, it's not that cold, not that hot. That's a little cool now. It wasn't the end that a mullah came and just wanted to fight on Israel. Amalek had nothing to win in this battle, only to lose. Amishal, we did, why do people go to fight wars, especially in the times of Tanakh? For territory. What territory do we have? We had, no te- we had nothing. We, we barely had anything. It's some money. We had no territory, nothing. What, and what, or revenge. What did we do to Amalek? Zero. The answer is, Amalek didn't fight us because they wanted to get anything from us. They fought us because of what we stood for. We started to become a nation that shows the world there's something chashif. There's something that matters. There's a life in this world that has meaning and value and, 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 and that which lasts forever, for eternity. If you live it the right way, and Amalek can't handle that rebuke. They can't handle that. The whole world started to hear about this nation called Am Yisrael and the Rebona Sholem. And oh my gosh, there's someone in charge of us. We better get, get to work. And Amalek said, nah, that's nothing. Forget about it. We're not, don't worry about it. They're not that chashuv. They're not that important. It doesn't matter. The world is just a world of Asher Karcha Baderach, the other language of mikre, that things just happen. There's no one running this world. There's no Seder in the world. And there's nothing to do but enjoy in this world. That's, why, that's what made Amalek so destructive. Was the koach of Zilzal that came to destroy 
that which HaKadosh Baruch Hu had, 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 was building with Am Yisrael. This is before even Mount Torah. But I'll tell you uh, uh, such an interesting pshat I saw. This is, the Rafunner doesn't say this. With the, the, the connection between Yisrael and Amalek, the Bear Yosef of Yosef Salant says, why did Yisrael hear two things? Why did Yisrael hear first, he heard about Kriyas Yamsuf and also about what happened with the, the fight with the, the Muhammad with Amalek? So he said, because Yisrael knew he had, had a plan here. What was Yisrael's plan? Yisrael hears what happens with, with, with uh, you know, with Kriyas Yamsuf and he's, and he's excited. He's great. But then he hears what happens in Amalek. And there's a nation that came to say, Am Yisrael is not that chashev. The Rebbe Shalom, not that, not that big, not that strong. And he saw that the chashivas of Am Yisrael in the world was all of a sudden dropping down. So what does Yisrael do? What does the Torah say? By Yishma Yisrael, Kohen Midyan, Chosein Moshe. Why is he called Kohen Midyan? A, that's not nice about him. He's, a, he's an idolatrous priest. Why do you have to like reference that? He's coming to convert. You're not supposed to talk about a, a person's past. It's not appropriate. What does Yisrael also do? He calls Moshe ahead of time. He sends a shliach. I'm showing up, Moshe. Show up. Let's make a big deal. We'll have a big feast. Everyone will know I'm here. What's going on? He's a big bad guy about Yisrael. I don't think so. The answer, says Yosef Salant, is that what Yisrael wanted to do was to counteract Amalek. Amalek had just shown the world that that, that I'm Yisrael, not not that chashev. Yisrael says, I'm going to come show you. The measure says, Yisrael was over every other desire in the world. And he says, nah. Yisrael, he says, it's like, I shouldn't say I don't know. It's like the Pope coming and saying, I'm becoming a Jew. Right? There is chashivas there. And that's why the, the, the Medrash says that he heard, he heard about Kriyas Yamsuf and he heard about Mechemas Amalek. And said, I have to come counteract that which Amalek had started and, and, and bring us back to the right place. Because the power of what Amalek had done was so powerful. The Koach of Zilzal, the Koach of Leitzanus. And that continues, Rufutner, in the next piece, if you go further down, in the next uh, section that I have for you here, also explains what happens when Esav gives away the Bechorah. Look where it's underlined. Before, you see where it says in the next paragraph, uh, this begins with the Zion. Go to the paragraph before, before that where it's underlined. It says, What happened when it came to, oh, sorry, just a little bit above that, he actually says. That's the Pshat. Leitz tuka ze'amalek peti yarim ze'yisrael. Kolomba yisrael kibul ha'tochacha. Yisrael understood what was happening. Yisrael understood he heard the lesson. He heard the rebuke. The rebuke meaning the understanding of what Karsh Baruch Hu was. When Amalek couldn't understand it at all. Amalek can't hear Tochacha. Fundamentally, Amalek is, in, it is impossible for them to ever hear rebuke. Because they're late, because of their late sonnets, because you're late. If, if a person's a late, they scoff and they laugh and they take nothing seriously. They can never, never, they can never grow, because you can never accept that maybe you could do a little bit better. However, Yisro is the opposite. Yisro is a person who's done everything, and says, "I can still do better." And that's now it's underlined. It says, What about Esav? Right, Esav, who is the right grandfather in this way. What we bothered, what bothered, the bonus of what Esav did was not that he sold the Bechorah, is Vayivez Esav as a Bechorah. He was mezalzling it. It's nothing. It's, 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 it has no value. You can say, it's hard for me. You can say, it's not, you know, right now I'm not in that place. That's fine. Vayivez. 
to laugh, to mock, to joke. It's a nothing. It's, 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 it's meaningless. That's much more dangerous. And it's, it, it, it's so much harder to come back when, we're, when, we, when we scoff. And he says this, says Rufutner, explains our original question. Now where it says Zion And that's what it says about a Malik, that at the end they're destroyed. Why? The whole world will be, will, will be fixed in a certain way. will come to the right mindset. Every nation, not just the Jewish people, all, every nation will come to a place to recognize the Bono Shalom. They're going to end the, new, the, the nightly news, the Godspeed, and they'll mean it. Everyone's going to say it because everyone's going to believe in your Bono Shalom. Nevertheless, and Malik can't be included in that. Since in the end of the time, there's no place for something that, can't, that isn't fixable. That means that a malik will, will, will cease to exist. Every time a person has a rebuke, doesn't mean, again, something that opens their eyes, that reminds us, wait a second, I, I think I could do better. I think that area, maybe... Right? Whatever it is, as a parent, as an Ovid Hashem, as a child, as a, whatever it is, as a, as a, as a Baal Chesed, whatever it is that I want to accomplish, and I, I get like that moan of inspiration. Oh, you know what? Maybe, maybe I, can do, I can do more. Valkein kol kilkol afila yoser garua. Right? Sorry. Harehi tviya letikon hakilkol. Every tochacha, every moan of inspiration is asking us to come, to come fix ourselves a little bit. And therefore, Valkain, Kokilkola, Fila Yosaka, no matter how bad I've done. Sheimbats Miuso, his Nagnus Latvias Sheltikon. Nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing we can do that's so bad that we can't ever fix ourselves. But if we have the interest in Tochacha to hear and to listen when something comes to our face, I can be fixed. I can fix myself. I can do better. But if, I, if I'm a late and I refuse to see, refuse to look, refuse to have any interest in that tochacha, then, then there's, there's, no, there's no opening. Because anytime something shows up to say, maybe I should change my perspective a little, I, I, I laugh it off. I make a joke about it. I, I just, I ignore it. So the moment of, of, of the end of days when everyone's going to come to recognize will be incapable of that. That means Amalek will go away. The last, the last part of his piece here says as follows. Ches. When, when does a Malik show up? They show up when we're in a place called Rufidim. That's where we are in, in the Midbar. Because Amish at that time, don't get me wrong, they hadn't accepted the Torah yet. But they were l- loosening their grip on the Torah. When we talk about someone who's not learning, what do we say? We don't say that that they're rough roof. I mean, Torah, you say that it's Bittal Torah. If I'm not learning, it's Bittal Torah. Right? The nullification of Torah. We hear a different language. Weakness in Torah. What does that mean? 
It's the same thing he says. What do I get lax in something? When I don't recognize how chashiv it is. When I don't recognize how important and fundamental it is to my life. And that these are the things my hands need to be involved in. And I forget how important something is to me. So I loosen my grip. If something matters to me, what do I do? I hold it as tight as I can. Right? When you walk around with your phone in your hand, you hold it really tight. Right? Right? But if, if, I, if I care about something, I know it matters to me. So I hold on to it tight. When I let go a little bit, because I haven't, I've forgotten just how chashev it is. Valkein dafke v'parshas amalek shakol inyono hu arisos binyan hachashivas. Amalek's whole job, whole purpose, is to make us forget how chashev things are. Nimsu aloshen hazahav shachachamim rafu yedeim in Torah. And that's why Chazal say, it was at that moment that we loosened our grip on Torah. We forgot who we were. That's why. You always wonder, right? If we want to forget Amalek, if we want Mechias Amalek, so stop remembering about them so much. If we, who's the, we're the only people in the world who remember Amalek. If we want Amalek to be destroyed so no one remembers them, we should stop dedicating a, a whole Shabbos every year to, to Mechias Amalek and Shi'urim, all about Amalek, Amalek, Amalek. If I wanted to forget it so bad. What's the Pshat? The Pshat is that no, we can never forget Amalek. Why? Because Amalek is not a nation, Amalek is a mindset. A mindset that says, I'm fine, just leave me alone, let me live my life. And not only that, but it's the koach to laugh away and mock any attempt to change my perspective. Without ridding ourselves of the koach of a malik, we can't ever change. But if we can rid ourselves of that tendency to laugh and to scoff, not just others or Torah, but to scoff at ourselves even at times, then we can do anything. And what does this have to do with Purim? I'm going to close in a minute. It has everything to do with Purim. The Gemara Megillah and Dafir Bey says, why did Haman rise up? Why, why, did, why did this Gezerah fall on the Jewish people? Because they were Nene, Mesudasa, Shalosa, Rush. They went to the, to the king's, the king's uh, banquet. And many, many of you have shown them explain that that banquet was kosher food. It was Badat's Heksher. It was, everything was perfect. You had Mavushal wine. There was no Shailas about Kasher at that, at that, at that Suda. But what happened? What do we say? Right, this was the Achashverosh was celebrating the conclusion of the 70 years of Gullus that Amisha was never going back. We were never going back to Eretz Yisrael. We were never going to build the base of Mikdash. This was his celebratory party. And the Jewish people joined. Why? It's nothing us, sir. But a lack of appreciation, a lack of appreciation for Chashivas, of what really matters, for the life that we long to live. And that was what happened. And, and Amisal had rough Yudayim in Torah. They were doing Torah. They were doing mitzvahs. They were keeping the halacha. But they were rough Yudayim. And they didn't, weren't makir. Achashu was not Achashu. They were. To the point where they allowed Achashverosh to parade in the kingdom of the base of Mikdash and they didn't even care. As long as I'm being kosher, it's, it's, it's fine. Who cares? But the beauty was the story of Purim is that they woke up. And where does the entire story of Purim turn around? When Esther calls Am Yisrael, Leich Kanos is called Yehudim, and he misayim b'shushan. V'tsumu alai, ha-tochlu v'altishtu shloshes yomim lalav ayom, when the gezerah comes down, and Esther says, time to daven, Chavra. It's time to wake up. It's time to remind ourselves what really matters to us. 
And when they do that, all of a sudden, that night, all of a sudden, the Rebbe Shalom can't sleep anymore. And he wakes up, and he comes to save us. The, the story of Purim is really about uncovering the chashivas that's all around us. The chashivas that we sometimes can't see, the chashivas that we sometimes don't realize, that we don't recognize. Finding the power of Hillel, Ish Lafi Mahalo. Asking ourselves, what do we praise and what do we place second? Are our priorities upside down? And do they need to be rebooted? We, we spend all of Purim in costumes, in masks, in the old type of mask. And, uh, and, uh, and, and dressed up, because the whole world is dressed up. The whole world is, is, it looks confused. We think the things that matter, matter, when in fact those things don't matter at all. And all the outward trappings of our lives are really just there to get us to something much deeper and much more meaningful. But sometimes we get caught up on the outside. So we dress in costumes and we, and we put on masks to remind ourselves that we do that all the time. And that it's only on perm that we get to see who we really are on the inside. Ish lafi what do we praise? What do we mock? This is the question that Zechir Samalik asks us, and it's the call that Purim asks us to answer. This is why I think we start the process of getting prepared for Purim specifically with the story of Amalek. Because if we can't shake the late sunness of Amalek, then the rest of Purim is not going to hit us. But if we can spend a little time thinking, reminding ourselves never to be a late never to mock, never to scoff, never to lose those opportunities of tochacha, positive tochacha, those opportunities of inspiration that pop in front of us all the time and call to us and say to us, a little more, a little extra, a little something new, or maybe something old that I haven't done in a while. If I can open my eyes to those opportunities and not laugh them away, then I'm preparing myself in the best way for a permit that's upon us very